You're listening to another life-transforming message from our campus pastor, Vince Craig. For more information on our church, go to c3saltlakecity.com. All right, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We're going to cover a lot of ground this morning, and uh, so pray that I get through it for the sake of our kids' ministry. Give it up for our kids' ministry. Acts chapter 2. Uh, starting at, fir- at the first verse, and uh, I wanna, we're going to kind of unpack some things, and then things are going to kind of uh, kind of get a little bit crazy. I feel like God gave me a revelation um, that uh, that, I, that I think was is going to benefit um, our church. So, uh, but first, let's just let's just read this. It says, Acts chapter two, verse one. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire, or t- of tongues of fire, settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your love, your power. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you're here with us. Lord, we love you. Lord, as we get into your word, let it sink deep into our hearts and our souls. And Lord, let it come out then into our life with application, with life change, with transformation. God, we love you and we thank you. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. The title of my message this morning is Breathe. Breathe. Can we just take a breath? Feels good, doesn't it? Feels so good. Sometimes my my Apple Watch will give me a little bzz, bzz, and I look down, it's like, breathe. Like, what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> Am I stressed out? It says this, it says on the day of Pentecost. The Pentecost is is one of three celebrations that the nation of Israel would participate in. They had the day of Pentecost. Then they had, uh, the, or they had the, the Passover. Then there was the Pentecost, which was like the, 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 fe- the festival of the weeks. It was the first, they, they were bringing the first, uh, the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And then, and then there was the, the festival of the tabernacles. And this is, this is on the day of the Pentecost, which is 50 days. That's where, that's where the Penta, you know, comes from. It's the Pentecost. It's 50 days from the Passover. Okay, that's just interesting stuff. We might use it later. Uh, On the day of the Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now, I'm just going to get real for a second. I find that part, like, a little bit hard to believe. All the believers were meeting together in one place. I can't even get together with my own wife. Like, have you, like, right, like, think about, okay, how many of you had a hard time getting, like, the family together? Like, hey, like, like it's hard to get just the family in the house all at one time, right? Because everyone's got all of the different things going on, let alone the church. I mean, my wife is not even here this morning. She's in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Like, the Bible says that all the believers, now, this is, in, this is important because this isn't just, like, all the disciples. This is actually the entire Christian community at that time, which was small. <laughs> Let's, I mean, it's not, we're not talking about thousands of people yet. But, but still, all of the believers were in one place at one time. And I think that, 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 that we need to understand that we can't just skim past that. That's actually important. 
There is power when all the believers get together in one place. That's why we gather on a Sunday morning, church. This isn't just where we come and sing Kumbaya and hear a lesson. This is when we, this is where all of the believers in our community, when we all get together and then we expect that something will happen. When we expect that, that, that heaven might just come down to earth as it does here at the day of Pentecost. All the believers are in one place. Let us not mis, mis, misunderstand. Let us not neglect what it, the power of coming together in one place. There's a reason why it's so hard to get to church sometimes. There's a reason why. There's all of the other stuff to do. The mountains are calling. I want to go for a hike. It's nice and cool. It's going to be hot later. I like to get up before it gets hot and go up and, and get some fresh air in the mountains, right? And, oh, I slept in a little bit, and now I just maybe want to bum around the house, do laundry. I don't know if I can really make it. Like the enemy, and, 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 and listen, I know that like coming to church every single week seems a little bit old school, but can I just tell you that, that the enemy has, has, has come in and caused distractions and he's limiting the power of a Sunday morning because we, it's very rare that all the believers come together in one place anymore. And I'm not saying that you can't go on vacation. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do laundry. Please do the laundry. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, you know, but I'm saying that as a church, we need to make it a priority to get in the house of God, right? And we got to stop, listen, we got to stop with allowing stupid little, like, things, like, ooh, that person looked at me weird, so I don't think I'm going to go. The pastor didn't say hi to me, and so now, you know, I'm not going to go anymore. They sing that song every week. I think I'm over it. Oceans, oceans. Let's bring it back. Can we do oceans next week? <laughs> no, okay. Somebody said something, somebody called me out, and now I just feel uncomfortable. The enemy will do everything and anything that he can to keep the body of Christ coming together because here's the reason. It's not just simply because when we're, gone, when, we're, when we're out, we're isolated and we're susceptible, although that's true. But also, it's because when the church comes together, unified as the body of Christ with Jesus as our head, that there can, that something can shift in the atmosphere, that something amazing can happen when the body of Christ makes it a priority to come together and to to celebrate on a Sunday morning or in the week in a connect group, we have to make it a priority to come together in the house of God. And we cannot allow division and dissension and distractions to stop us from coming together because there is power when the church comes together all in one place. Let's keep going. I'm going to run out of time. Okay, here we go. Mm. I believe in you. And suddenly... Suddenly, verse 2 says, suddenly. Now, that's an interesting word. Suddenly, because it makes it seem like it came out of nowhere. But listen, it didn't necessarily come out of nowhere. This has been, this has been expected. This has been prophesied, and, and, and this is, the people have been talking about this moment happening for thousands of years. Prophet Joel would, would, would prophesy about it. Jesus would prophesy about it. It was expected. It's kind of like when, you know... You get pregnant. Now, Becca and I got pregnant, uh, and uh, 
well, we didn't get pregnant. I mean, <laughs> we got a good kids' church. I impregnated. Um, she, and, 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 and it was relatively expected because, you know, we understand how that happens. Okay. And so it wasn't, didn't come out of nowhere, right? We'd been married for four years. We're like, okay, we think that maybe now we've got this marriage thing figured out. Let's add, you know, a variable. And, uh, and so, so we, (laughs) we've definitely like (laughs) miscalculated how crazy that was going to be, but. She got pregnant, and now it's expected that she was going to have this child, right? It's, we got to see the heartbeat, and her stomach began to grow, and we, we, it, there was this promised thing that, that at this time it was going to happen, and then we went into the waiting room after about nine months or so, and, and we waited for this thing to happen, and, you know, Becca's, like, walking around the hall trying to shake this thing out, and, and it's just like, you know, when's it coming, when's it coming? How many fathers for your first kid, you know, like, it feels like it's never going to happen. I don't know if it's just me, but it, it was like, is this ever going to happen? And then all of a sudden, in a horrible tragedy, it's just like the, like, what was that? All of a sudden, <laughs> child, whoa. <laughs> it, was, it was expected, but it was all of the sudden, if you know what I'm saying. It was definitely like we walked in and without having to care for child, and then all of a sudden, this thing happened, and now, whoop, game changer here, right? She's cute. But she's a total game changer, and it was all of the sudden. That's more of what happened here. It was all of a sudden. This is why that's important, though, because I think that sometimes God gives us a promise. Sometimes we have an expectation. Sometimes we're waiting for something to take place, and we need to understand that with the way that God works is that it's kind of this long-awaited, suddenly, in a moment, everything can change, church. In a moment, everything can change. For 400 years, God was silent, and then in a moment, everything changed as the Messiah was birthed into humanity. And then 33 years go by, and, 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 then, and then now 50 days after his, his death and resurrection, and boom, suddenly, everything changes. I don't know if you've got a promise, if you've got something that's been expected that you've just sort of put on the shelf and it's getting dusty, let me tell you, don't give up on it. Because in a moment, suddenly, our God can come, breathe life on it, and shift it in a moment. Suddenly. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like, a roar, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were staying. It doesn't say that there was like a gentle breeze. Right? It didn't say that there was just this sort of wispy, fluffy cotton ball thing that just sort of gently approached and kind of tickled their noses and gave them the goosebumps. And then, you know, it was a mighty windstorm. The language here is violent. It's aggressive. It's a gust. It's a, it's a, it's a shift. It's a, the whole atmosphere in the room changed It was a mighty windstorm. This is important because sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit like like he's just sort of this wimpy, wispy vapor that, that, oh, I just, you know, if I could just feel a little, you know, a little wiggle on my arm hair, 
The Holy Spirit is God. He's the Almighty. He is strong in power. There is nothing wimpy about the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes is he gentle? Sure. But you need to understand, don't misunderstand the gentle breeze of the Holy Spirit as a wimpy God. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to transform. He is God on high. The Holy Spirit is not simply like this, this sort of wind that, that, is, that is of God. It is God. All right. Let's go. It says the entire house was filled where they were sitting. This morning, I'd like to just declare that this house is going to be known as a house that is known for the presence of God filling this place. That when people come into this room, into Theater 11 at Jordan Commons, that the presence of God is so thick and tangible that lives are changed and transformed before a single beat starts. That the Holy Spirit fills this place. And then when, when we leave this place, there's, a, there's an anointing, there's a, there's a thing that we should carry because the Holy Spirit, because we've been in the presence of God. The Bible says that the presence of God, that the Spirit of God filled that place. Can we be a church that welcomes and invites the presence of God to fill this place? That the atmosphere would be, would be, would be saturated with the presence and the glory of the Father in heaven? That lives would be transformed, that hearts would be healed, that cancer in Jesus' name would be dissolved, that, in, that, li- that marriages would be restored and redeemed, that in this place the Spirit of God would be so strong that, that, that this city would be turned on its end for His glory and His honor. <sighs> Take a breath. There it is. Breathe. Verse 3 says, then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared that settled on each of them. Now, this is an important picture. In 2 Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Chronicles, Solomon is dedicating the temple. And uh, he, he finally builds this temple and he's dedicating the temple and he prays. And the Bible says that. After he's done praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the offering and the sacrifice. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down, the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell on their face on the ground and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good, His faithful love endures forever. You see, this is the picture that, that, that the Dr. Luke is, is, is describing, that there's this fire that's coming down in this room. But, but unlike when it happened in the temple of Solomon, see, when the glory of the Lord filled that place, the, the, the glory of the Lord came and rests in that place, and when it happened, it burned the sacrifice, it burned the, the offerings, and, and then the, the presence of God was so strong, and you remember, you have to realize that God is perfect and holy and just, and he can have no unclean thing around him, and so it forced everybody out of the temple and on their face. Not even the priests could be in the temple. 
But the difference here in Acts chapter 2 is not is when the glory of the Lord filled that room, the presence of God, the, the, the fire from heaven then rests on the people. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, filled them. This is amazing, church. This, this, is a, this is a really, really, really big deal. I don't know how many of you have you version, but this morning I, I woke up, I opened up my Bible to do the, the reading plan, and I thought, oh my goodness, God, you are so good. Because if you've noticed, the verse of the day today is 1 Corinthians 6, 19, which says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who's given, it, given to you by God? Whoa, this is what was happening for the very first time, the presence of God. I shouldn't say for the very first time, we'll get there in a minute. But for a long, 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 long time, there was a chasm between humanity and the presence of God. And here in Acts chapter 2, we see the presence of God filling people. All right. Let's, let's unpack this for a minute. I got, I'm doing well. I've got 14 minutes. I think we're going to be all right. I feel good about this. <laughs> this is Pentecost. This is 50 days after the Passover celebration. Take a breath. says, verse 4, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is <clears throat> incredibly misunderstood in churches today. People don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. People get all crazy. They get all freaking weird. Listen, if you like flags, that's cool, but we're not going to, like, people will, like, play the flags, and, like, they feel, like, it looks like they're getting, like, you know, taken over, and they're, like, like, what, what is going on? That's weird. And a lot of times the church is, is weird because they're just so excited about the Holy Ghost. And sometimes churches are just like, yeah, no, that's weird, so we're just not going to do any of that here. The Holy Spirit is incredibly misunderstood. So for the first next 12 minutes, I hope that I can bring some clarity, some insight, some revelation as to really what this is all about. The band's going to come up as I close. The word Holy Spirit um, here in Acts chapter 2, um, the word is, is pneuma, uh, it, which is a Greek translation. Now, I usually don't get into the Greek and Hebrew because I'm not that smart, but <laughs> I don't speak Greek or Hebrew, but I did a lot of research, so. It's, it's pneuma, which is, which is translated from a Greek word, which is ruach. I'm probably slaughtering that, but ruach. Everyone say ruach. Now try to say it without any breath coming off your mouth. Ooh. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> That's what I love so much about Hebrew. It's very breathy. I hope they got altoids. <laughs> ruach. 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 
This, this word is a complicated word, and, and honestly, it's, we struggle. I, and I think the Bible, you know, the current translations has done, has done a pretty good job. But, but it, it, this word is, is found throughout Scripture, throughout the entirety of Scripture. But it, it, it's often translated in different ways. Most often, it's the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost or the presence of God. Is most often how it's translated, and that would be accurate. But but it, it, it's it, to really understand what is happening here, to really have a good understanding of what the Bible is trying to express. We have to really unpack what this word is is really all about. This 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 word uh, is 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 like it's like breath. It, it, it's the Hebrew word for breath. But it's not just breath because it's, it's confusing, right? Because in, in our culture, in our society, in our language, when we talk about breath, we're, we're talking about like the air that we would breathe, right? We're talking about like, oh, you have bad breath, here's a mint. We're talking about like, oh, I'm, I'm out, I got to catch my breath, I'm out of breath. And we understand that, that really we're referring to air, right, that's kind of got some oxygen, some nitrogen, some... Other stuff, I don't know, ask Diego, he knows. It's just, you know, it's just a compound of things, nitrogen, oxygen, carbon monoxide, stuff. That's, that's air that we breathe that, that keeps us alive, right? And if Erica all of a sudden, like, passed out, oh, by the way, I got nine minutes. My daughter lost her first tooth. I wasn't around. She was in Wisconsin. I was in San Diego. Uh, she had just like landed and she was kind of, you know, landed from, from flying. She was a little bit tired. She opened up a box of raisins. She had a loose tooth and it popped off. Um, and I had told her like, like, hey, it's going to take weeks. Don't worry about it. It popped off and uh, she's bleeding and, uh, and she passed out. <laughs> Poor kid. Yeah. So give her a high five next week when you see her. But <laughs> but when, when, when someone, you, you check, you're like, oh, is there breath? Right? Are they breathing? Right? The other, the, other, the other word that often we see in, in the Bible is like wind. It's wind or it's breeze. It's like, it's, you know, when you look outside and the trees are kind of jostling. They're kind of wisping. <laughs> you know? Or a big gust comes down and it blows your tree down and hits your roof and you got to get a new roof and all that stuff. That hasn't happened to me, by the way, but that'd be bad. That's because of the wind. It's because of a gust. It's, it's this word, ruach. Ruach. But, but again, it's a complicated word because it's, it's not just like air and, and, and breath and wind and breeze, although that is... The word, it's the same word. They don't have different words for it in Hebrew. It's just rock. And really the best way to describe the meaning of this word is it's the holy, divine, unseen power that gives life and causes motion. The ancient Hebrews would look and see the air that we breathe, the thing that's invisible that is making visible things do stuff. 
the invisible thing that's keeping the dogs and the, and the, and the deer and, and the humans alive. It's this rock. And they attribute it to God. That it's not just air, that it's not just wind, but it's actually uh, attributed to God. And not a God, but God Almighty. God on high. That this breath is literally the breath of the Almighty God. That's why in John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Rock. The first time we see this word is in Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Can I just tell you, church, without God in your life, no matter what you build, no matter what you do, it's going to be formless and empty. And darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God, here it is. The rock was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Israelites, when they read this, it would have read more like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the holy, divine, unseen force that gives life and causes motion was hovering over the surface of the waters. Ruach. Next time we see it is Genesis chapter 2. This is huge. Verse number 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and he breathed. <laughs> he didn't do this with any, any, other, any other animal. But he forms Adam. He, pour, he forms mankind and he breathes. Rock. It would have read like this, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and he sent out the holy, divine, unseen force that gives life and causes motion into the man's nostrils when he became a living being. Church. Take a breath. The very first thing that a child does when he comes out of the womb and he takes his first breath. It's interesting, he's not breathing until the child comes out. Why? Because he does not have breath in himself. The breath is a gift from God. It's not within us. Adam was filled with the rock of God. And he walked with God in the garden. And he reigned and he had dominion and authority over the earth. Just as it was meant to be, just as humanity was meant to be, to have the rock, to have the breath of God in them, to be breathing it in and breathing it out, to be breathing it in and to breathing it out. <sighs> Not just air, but the breath of God. Now listen, don't get confused. I am not saying that God is air. Just let me, just understand. I'm not getting all mystical and, listen, 
God is not breath. In fact, when Adam took of the tree of good and evil, he traded the breath of God for his own breath. And that's when death entered the world. Because as soon as, because God spoke, God breathed his breath of life into Adam, but as soon as Adam took that tree, took that fruit from that tree, he traded God's breath for his breath. And the difference between God's breath and our breath is that our breath won't last forever. Our breath cannot give life. It can sustain it for a time, but it cannot give it. It is the breath of God from the author of life that we breathe the breath, the holy divine breath of God that gives life and causes motion. Jesus would say in Luke 4, the spirit or the ruach of God is upon me. He's anointed me. In other words, he's saying, Adam traded the breath of God. And sin and death entered the world. But here Jesus is. You see, Jesus steps out of heaven. John would say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word made his home among us, that he stepped into the creation that he made. That the word of God put skin on and came down. And here he is, the beginning of his ministry, saying, Ruach, the breath of God, what Adam traded, I carry. And I have come to set you free. I have come to make it all right again. To bring restoration. To bring it all back into the way that it was originally designed to be. You see, Adam brought death. He traded but I have come so that yet again I would fill you, not just with the breath that's in the world, but with the breath that comes from heaven. This is why it's so incredible what Luke is mentioning. Luke is a doctor. He's not dense. He specifically shows us that this is on the day of Pentecost, the festival of weeks. 50 days after the Passover, you see, humanity, since Adam fell, humanity has been separated from God. That's why when the glory of the Lord filled the temple, everyone had to get out. It's why religion had to come in and they had to sacrifice and they had to do all of the stuff. And then there was this man of God. Where God was pretty much just looking the other way and, and kind of just going, okay, on credit, because I know my son is coming. And so on that knowledge, I will deal with you, Moses. I will deal with you, David. I will deal with you, Noah. I will deal with you, mankind, who are sinful. But it was limited. And there was all these rules and regulations. Moses would go up to Mount Sinai. And have an exchange with the almighty God. And his presence would be so strong that Moses would be radiating from the glory of God. So much so that, that the nation of Israel, which was so messed up, kind of like us, would, 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 have to, would, have to, would be like, hey, put something over your face. It's too much for us. 
We can't. This is what is so beautiful about what's happening at the day of Pentecost. It's for the first time since Adam and Eve. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross as the final sacrifice, the final Passover lamb as his blood was shed. God in heaven comes out of heaven. God of heaven comes out and steps into our earth and is pinned on a cross. They're celebrating Pentecost. Excuse me, they're celebrating Passover. And this perfect lamb, whose blood is poured out, once and for all, the veil of the temple is torn. So that now, God can come yet again and fill his people with his rock, with his breath. As I close, this is what I need you guys to understand. It happened at the day of Pentecost because this was the day that the first fruits of the harvest. They would bring the first fruits of their wheat harvest. Wheat. We're not in California. Didn't say weed. <laughs> wheat. They would bring the first fruits. This group of believers up in the upper room were the first fruits of Jesus' sacrifice. As he fills that place, as he fills those believers, and then the Holy Spirit gives them power, and they begin to praise God, and as they're praising God, something miraculous happens. All the other people who don't speak the language that they're speaking hear all of the wonders and glory of God being spoken they're speaking of Jesus, and it's amazing, and they're like, what is going on? You know the story. They're like, they're drunk, and Peter's like, no, it's only nine. We're not drunk. He says, no, this is what the prophet Joel was speaking of, that in those last days, the Spirit of God would be poured out, and the sons and daughters would begin to prophesy through visions and dreams. That the work of the Holy Spirit, that God would, 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 would actually dwell in his people again. Now here's what, here's so important. So important. If I take this bottle and I go to the ocean and I fill it with the ocean. Is the ocean in my bottle? Kind of. Not the fullness of it, though, you know. Imagine if I took a box and I went to the ocean and I, you know what, better, better yet, let, let's say that I took a box and I went down to the river and I scooped the river up in my box and then I brought it home and I sat it down and I went, this river is awesome. No, it's not. It is a sloppy, deteriorating, wet box. That's what it is. But here's the thing. I believe in church. 
we have treated the Holy Spirit like that. Where we come on a Sunday hoping to fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. And then we go home and put it on the shelf and we wonder why our life isn't different. Rock. You breathe it in. You breathe it out. You breathe it in. You breathe it out. You breathe it in. You breathe it out. From heaven, his ruach comes in, and then it comes out. We are supposed to be vessels of the living God's breath. That it's supposed to come in, and it's supposed to come out. That it's supposed to come in, and it's supposed to come out. That's how, that's what Joel was saying. That we would prophesy. That we would dream dreams. That as heaven is poured out on humanity, that we would then flow it out. It's not a wet box. It's a vessel in a river. It's a pipe going, he's flowing through us, coming in and out, in and out, in and out. That's why we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, because it's him coming out as he's coming in, he's coming out. He's coming in, he's coming out. Take a breath. Breath of God. It's powerful and it's close. And because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, it is as available as air. Listen, church, I am happy to pray for you. Our prayer team is happy to pray for you. But can I tell you something? Because of what happened at the Passover, as Jesus Christ died on that cross, and the veil was torn, and then the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, he's saying, I'm glad to pray for you. Go ahead and have a leader, and have, but you do not need it. You don't need it. You don't need my prayers. Why? Because the same God that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you if you're in Christ. He's the same God. Our problem is that we forget. We, 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 we try to rebuild Solomon's temple. We try to rebuild his temple and we try to and, and we treat church and we treat men of God like, like, like the Old Testament. It's not it anymore. The veil has been torn. And so when somebody is dealing with something, when you are dealing with something, you can pray and have the same access to the almighty God because his breath is coming in you and through you, in you and through you. Breathe. The band's just going to sing this chorus. We're just going to take a moment and soak in the presence of God. Take a breath. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your
Jesus for Give him a shout of praise this morning, church. Woo! Breathe. My encouragement to you is that when you're at home, you look out the window and you see the breeze. When you're out barbecuing and you feel the wind. When your Apple Watch dings and tells you to tell, take a breath that you would remember that he is that close, that he's that powerful, that you would pause and remember, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross so that I could be a living temple of the most holy God. Paul would say, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That he would live in and through you. That when you walk into the coffee shop, you would realize that since you've been reading God's word, the word of God is in your heart. And the Holy Spirit is in your heart. And you begin to speak it out. And you begin to say to that barista, you say to that family member, you say, God bless you. And you don't say it like, God bless you. You say it like, God bless you. And you connect with them. And you allow God to work in and through you. In and through. In and out. Breath. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, none of this matters. If you've never made Jesus king of your life, if you've never accepted him to be your Lord and your Savior, everything that I said makes no, has, has no weight for you. Because it is only in Christ. The Holy Spirit is all around, but he is only available for those who are perfect. And you and I are only perfect if we are in Christ. So Jesus, understanding our condition, steps out of heaven and pays the price so that when God looks at us, he does not see our imperfections, but instead he sees the blood of his son and he goes, I can dwell there because the payment has been paid in full. If you're here this morning, you've never received Christ. All across this room, if there's even one, two, three, I don't know how many there are, but if there's even one, do not leave this morning without understanding, without accepting that Jesus is Lord, without having come into your life so the Spirit of God can fill you. So if that's you this morning, raise your hand nice and high. If there's anybody in this room, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Fantastic. We pray this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin, for making me right in your eyes. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. 
come into my life. Fill me with your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Your name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God a shout? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to C3SaltLakeCity.com.